blessings of this day, the time of worship we've had, and I pray that uh, you'll bless this time of offering and be with Pastor Daniel as he uh, brings your word to us tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. gospel. You preach it, teach it, live it. And that's why we do what we do. We help you plant churches everywhere for everyone. We provide tools so you can see God meet needs and change lives. We are the North American Mission Board, and everything we do is all about the gospel. When you want to welcome a refugee, rescue a trafficked teenager, feed a man who's hungry, care for a neglected child, Send Relief has real-life opportunities to learn and do. In places where churches are not, cities where the population is big, campuses where gospel influence is small, any place God calls his people to start something from nothing. Send Network gives you resources, training, and support. We help your church raise up church planters from your own congregation and connect you with church planters already on the field. That's what happens when we're all about the gospel. God uses us to reach people and change the world. There are thousands of them. Church planning missionaries, send relief missionaries in big cities and small towns, feeding and teaching and loving, planting new churches and baptizing thousands of new believers. And there are thousands more chaplains going where the church cannot go and sharing the hope of Christ with people in foxholes and police cars in hospitals and workplaces. The North American Mission Board connects you and your church to all of them. By launching Who's Your One, 
We're helping you make ministry personal by challenging every believer to identify one person they can pray for and share Christ with. Who's Your One quickly became a movement. And really, that's what happens when your church steps into the community. Taking that first, second, or hundredth step on mission, that's what happens when we are all about the gospel. That's a great video there from NAM, the North American Mission Board, sharing about some of the great things going on. I want to real quickly go over some uh, evangelistic emphasis here in our church that will be coming up. Uh, I'm, I'm going to mention three things. The first one here, remember about two weeks ago where we went and prayer walked communities. It's called Pray and Go. And we actually, I put, well, Sherry put some of these out here at the Welcome Center. When you leave, I want to pick these up. What this is, this is a door hanger. And it says on the back that we came, that someone prayed for your house today. So what you do, if you just walk down the street, if you're going on a nighttime, summertime walk, Take some of these, and as you go, you don't ring the doorbell. All you do is you pray for that house, and you put this on the door. That's it. And if you want, you can write a note. You can write your name if they have a question. The church has already received, I know, at least one phone call of somebody who was appreciative, and they were, it was Zach Bauer's group that was right here at Seattle Drive. They wanted to thank us. They had some things going on, and it meant so much to them that someone came by and prayed over their house. And um, But... I just want to share about that. We still have these uh, door hangers to give away. And when you leave, make sure you grab one of those. We have a revival coming up at our church here in September. In fact, we just had a revival planning meeting. I just got out of it with that. That's going to be with evangelist Keith Cook. And that's going to be September 8th through 11th. So we're going to have different themes each night. And we're praying for a great harvest. We're going to have 25 days of prayer. It's going to be led by Brother Hurd leading up to that revival. Also, something else coming up, and Brother Hurd and I attended this meeting this past Tuesday, is this past Tuesday's meeting was about something called Crossover Lexington. Every year in November, there's something called the Kentucky Baptist Convention Annual Meeting. Last year, it was in Pikeville. This year, it's at, here in Lexington at um, Emanuel Baptist Church. That's where the meeting's going to be held at. What they do, that meeting is on Tuesday. On the Saturday before, that weekend before, they have a big outreach emphasis. So our church is going to participate in this. This will be at 9.30 on Saturday, uh, November 8th. What we will do, November 10th. Anyway, it was that Saturday before. It's the second Saturday in, um, uh, in November. What we will do, and it's not just our church. It's all, it's all the Southern Baptist churches here. What we will do is, um, it's sponsored by the KBC. They provide everything. And there's three levels of engagement. You will sign up. You know, the online sign-up here isn't available yet, but you'll have to sign up for the KBC because they provide you a T-shirt. You're going to go, and you're going to knock on a door. And there's three levels. You can be a talker, and the talker, you, you will have a bag of stuff. And you'll, they'll open the door, and you will say, we're here with Crossover Lexington, part of the big outreach here going on with the KBC annual meeting, and we'd love to just give you this information. It has, it's going to have a, a, a Jesus DVD. I know a lot of folks don't have DVDs, but still something some folks still might enjoy. There's a children's version of it as well. They also will have a, a gospel track, a, a book of John in there. And then they also have whatever church you go to, obviously, since ours is Broadway, you'll put a little flyer for Broadway Baptist Church. So when you knock on that door, that way there's a connection with you personally so they know you're invited to that church. And you just go in and say, hey, we'd love to give you this information. If you, we could pray with you, 
uh, we could talk to you. Now, that's the talker. If you can't talk like that and knock on a door, the next step is you can be a walker. And a walker is somebody who just walks and smiles. You walk up to the door, and you'll stand there and just listen. You're listening along. So you don't have to say anything, but you will have to stand next to the person talking. And then the third layer, if you can't do that, if you just don't feel comfortable at all ringing a doorbell, then you can be a bag, you can be someone who places a bag. There's a, there's a catchy name for it. But all you will do is just like this. You will walk up to homes and take a bag and hang it on their door. You go to the next home. You never ring the doorbell. You just place bags and go around. And that has information about the gospel as well as in personal invitations to a church. That's going to be, I believe, that is uh, n- uh, November 10th. That's when that, that Saturday is. And our meeting will be at Southern Heights Baptist Church. That's the base. And then we'll go out from there. And they would have a couple hundred folks there. So those here at our church, those are three areas you could certainly get involved in with outreach. Summer is a great time to do outreach because we have a prime opportunity because of the daylight to go up there. I want to share that. That way you have uh, information about that. Open your Bibles to the book of Acts. Speaking of outreach, here is uh, the event where 3,000 people are saved We are preaching on Pentecost. This is a powerful passage we're about to see here. We're going to read 13 verses. We're also going to flip over on Bibles and look at uh, Joel chapter 2 in the Old Testament about how the Holy Spirit was prophesied in the Old Testament and it came true, obviously, in the New Testament. You also want to pull out your bulletin, insert there, and be able to follow along uh, on the backside of uh, that church on fire. We're going through the book of Acts on Sunday nights. I love Sunday night church. It's a a great time for Bible study and certainly opening up God's word. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all all together in one place. I want to stop right there. I'm going to explain what's going on. This is important because we use this word Pentecost. And you drive down some church, you drive down the street, and you see a church called Pentecostal Church or Church of the Pentecost, and they use this word. Say, well, what is Pentecost? Well, Pentecost came from the book of Exodus. And, and God required, and we, we're not going to turn here in the book of Exodus. I'm just going to explain it to you. There were three festivals that Jewish men were required to travel to Jerusalem every year to observe. The first one is what we call Passover. And then right after that, when Passover is over, the next week is called the Festival of Unleavened Bread. It just picked, Passover and Unleavened Bread went together. It's one and the same. They, just, they, they were right there. So what happened is 50 days from Passover, that would be about seven weeks, that is when in Jewish time, that is the first uh, harvest, the first, you plant your crops maybe in late, or middle of March, your first harvest would start showing up either in late May or early June. This past year, Pentecost was on June 9th. So what has happened is, Pentecost was a Jewish festival, it was first mentioned in Exodus chapter 23. And it was a time that remembers the giving of the law of Moses on Mount Sinai 50 days after Passover. If you and I were Jewish men, Every year, we obviously have to travel for Passover. 
Remember, and, and Jesus died right there at the time of the Passover. And then 50 days later, we, a lot of the guys actually just stayed in Jerusalem because by the time they traveled back to their home, it would just be a quick turnaround. You'd be going right. So some folks would actually stay. So 50 days after Passover, you would then um, come back for this Pentecost festival. And it's also known as the Festival of Weeks because it's seven weeks after Passover. So what happened here is at Passover, there was a lot of people, or at Pentecost, there was a lot of people in Jerusalem. And then the third, I'll go ahead and tell you, the third festival is Pentecost is the beginning, the first fruits. The very end of the harvest season is called the Festival of Tabernacles, also called the Festival of Shelters. They all have two or three names. The Festival of Tabernacles is at the end of the harvest season. So what would happen is, is this would be in October, right before it started getting cold. The Jewish men would come back and uh, come and observe. And this was, the Festival of Tabernacles was remembering what it was like in the desert as the folks were traveling around. God was taking care of them. So, and that's mentioned in Exodus 34. These three festivals were required by the Lord to travel to the temple and to observe every single year. So, God demanded that the folks would come to his house and remember these. And the reason why, and if you turn and look to them, the reason why God said for them they had to do this, because if they didn't, they would forget and I think this is why church attendance and placing a value of this in people's life, church is a habit. If you get out, if you quit going to church for six months, it's hard to get started again. If you've been out of church for 10 years, it's really hard to get started again. So what happened, God knew this, so three times a year he required people to come and worship him at these different, fa- these different uh, festivals. So... That's what's going on here at Pentecost. The folks are traveling to the place, and they're all right here in Jerusalem, and God is about to do something. All right, keep going here. Verse 2, Acts chapter 2, verse 2. Suddenly, now he say, Pastor, where are they? Well, they are in the place. Jesus told them they would meet regularly in what they call the upper room. That was the last place Jesus had his meal there right before he was crucified. So they're probably right there at that same old room and they're meeting there regularly and they're worshiping and they're remembering the Lord. And, they, but God, and Jesus told them to stay there. So they knew something great was going to happen. Suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were staying. Then they saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And we're going to talk about that, what it means by the different tongues. Because in the Bible, there's two sets of tongues. These tongues here, these tongues were understood. That means they were able to speak in a language that they did not know. But remember, there was a lot of different people in Jerusalem for Pentecost. So folks were able to hear their native language being spoken about and Jesus being praised in their own language. Now, 
say, well, what about the spiritual gift of tongues? And what about 1 Corinthians chapter 12 when Paul is writing to address the issue of tongues? That type of tongues, whereas they were being abused by the church, these tongues here were being, they were edifying the church because people were able to understand their own language. Paul was addressing tongues in 1 Corinthians 12. We also read about it because the Corinthian church was using tongues as the way to say, I'm more spiritual than you are. I know the Lord better you because I can speak in a static language. Moving along, verse 5. Now there were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout people from every nation under heaven. When this sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. So all of a sudden, the folks from out of town start hearing, oh my goodness, that's my language. I'm hearing them talk in a language I know. They were astonished and amazed, saying, Look, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? That's an insult right there. Galilee was known, it's the northern part of Israel, and it was known as the poor section. Nazareth was there. Capernaum, the Sea of Galilee. It's just a farming community where any and everybody didn't want to be from Galilee. You would be a fisherman because that's where the Sea of Galilee was at, and that's where you go fishing, with the Jordan River. <clears throat> so they're, they're looking at these guys, and you say, how'd they know they were from Galilee? They had an accent. They were country. You looked at them and go, a guy's from Bama or Mississippi or Louisiana. They're just, they're just not all there. So what happens here? is they pick up that these guys, they don't belong. They're not one of us. And then in verse 8 it says, How is it that each of us can hear them in our own native language? Because they would know surely no one from Galilee would know more than one language. He goes on to say, and they start naming all the different people groups. Parthians, Medes, Lamites, those who live in Mesopotamia and Judea and Padia, Pontus in Asia, Phygeria, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jew and Jews and converts, Cretans and Arabs. We hear, hear them declaring the magnificent acts of God in our own tongues. So their own languages are being spoken. Now we just read about places from Asia, Europe, and Africa right there, from all over the known world that they knew of. And these different continents are praising God. And it goes on to say in verse 12, They were all astounded and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? Like, the whole city's now in an uproar because these men, the disciples who were in this upper room, they're now speaking in a language they do not know. And verse 19, always, there's always an explanation. But some sneered and said, they're drunk on new wine. And the answer to that is, we'll, we'll, we won't pick up, but it's, Peter's going to stand up and say, guys, they're not drunk, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. That's surely not the problem here. This is the coming of the Holy Spirit. 
What started here in Jerusalem, in this, these verses, continues even today. Now, keep your finger here in the book of Acts and flip over to the book of Joel. Joel is, the old, is a minor prophet after the book of Hosea. Joel chapter 2, because the Holy Spirit is prophesied in the book of Joel and comes fulfilled here in, um, in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit, understanding him, the Holy Spirit is God. He is the third person of the Trinity. He's not, he's not part of God. He's not like the third place bronze trophy winner. The Holy Spirit is God. When you and I pray, when we come and worship, Jesus says we worship in spirit and in truth, meaning the Spirit of God is amidst us. We worship in truth. We know what's true because we know it's in our Bible. The Bible is true. So what happens for you and I, and what's powerful for us with this, is that we know that we have a Holy Spirit who hears our prayers, who guides us through the day, who we have someone we can turn to, and He's always there. He's God. He's God's continuing presence on earth. One of the best ways I remember growing up and how it was described to me, an inaccurate way of describing the Holy Spirit is like an apple. This is the wrong way to describe the Holy Spirit. On the <clears throat> outside, you see the uh, pill, the redness, let's say it's a red apple, and that would be the Holy Spirit. Then on the inside, you would have the part you eat, and then, or may, I guess that would be the core, and then you go, and that would be Jesus. Then on the far inside, you might get the seeds, and that would be God the Father. Have you ever heard it described that way? It says there's three parts of apple, there's three parts of it. That's not accurate. A more accurate way to describe how God has chosen to work is really a stage. If you go to a play and there's a curtain, scene one is God the Father. That's the book of Genesis to the book of Malachi. God the Father is the one. Now, Jesus is revealed as well as the Holy Spirit, but the main person who's talking is God the Father. He's the one speaking through the prophets. He's the one guiding Abraham. He's the one guiding David. And then, starting in the book of Matthew, and through our four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the scene, too, opens up, and it's Jesus Christ, God's Son. And obviously, Jesus is the one that's performing miracles. Jesus is the one who's uh, walking around healing folks. He's the one dying on the cross is he's the main character of that act. And then the curtains close again here at the beginning of Acts chapter, the beginning of book of Acts, and then in chapter 2, all of a sudden Acts, comes the Holy Spirit. They open again, and God's Spirit comes on the scene. We do not see the Holy Spirit, but we know he's there. We know he's present with us. So we are, I guess, on Acts three with the continuing presence of the holy spirit the church was birthed right here in acts chapter two this is the start of the church we, we'll get into it next week but peter's going to stand up and preach a sermon three thousand people are saved right there the first church is a mega church god is doing great things the gospel is being advanced and jesus is being proclaimed but what do we see here in book of Joel, Joel chapter 2, verse 28? Look what God's word says. 
After this, I will pour out my Spirit on all of humanity. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will have dreams, and your young men will see visions. I will even pour out my Spirit on the male and female slaves in those days. I will display wonders in the heavens and on earth, blood, fire, and columns of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. Jesus says before the, this day of the Lord here, the day of the Lord has not come yet. That's the second coming. But before that, he will pour out his spirit. And I, want, I want us to look at this. God's spirit is poured out on everyone. Through, the, through us as the messengers, as advancing the cause of Christ, folks can get saved. And when someone has the Holy Spirit of God, it says here they will prophesy. Prophecy is proclaiming what God has told us to say. When you go and you pray for lost people to be saved, when you go out and you tell someone about Jesus, you are doing prophecy. Prophecy is thus saith the Lord. Our culture is in desperate need of prophets. God wants you and I to be bold witnesses for Him. When you go to work, when you go to the grocery store, when you go to the, the drive through wherever you're at, you need to be witnessing to other folks. Like, a perfect example. We do Walmart pickup. Walmart pickup is when you place an order online, and then you show up at Walmart, and you don't go in the store. You pull off this side. It's free. You spend $30, and they bring it and put it in your car. Well, this afternoon, between services, I'm at Walmart pickup. Sherry sends me there. I'm picking up her groceries. So I go there, and the young lady who's bringing the car was telling me how I said, well, our Sunday's really busy. He said, well, not early in the morning because a lot of folks are at church. That's what she said. Well, the moment she said church, uh, when anyone brings up Jesus, God, or church, that should be a cue for you. I need to work the gospel in. I need to be able to share with them about Jesus. So I had the opportunity to tell her about church I go to, invite her to church. That's what it means to be a prophet. That's what it means for you and I to do prophecy. You look for opportunities anyway. You wake up in the morning and say, God, how can I be a witness? How can I impact someone for your son? And this is what happened. People who have the Holy Spirit of God. If you are saved, you have the Holy Spirit of God, and God wants you and enables you to do prophecy. Then it says, what about old folks? It says here, your old men will have dreams. And your young men will see visions, meaning God is choosing to work through all ages. Meaning, God is going give, to give folks a vision that's going to point people to His Son. I will even pour out my Spirit on the male and female slaves in those days. Meaning, it's not just for, for the Jews. It's for anyone even slaves, even the uncircumcised will can receive the Holy Spirit of God. The, the, the least likely people on the totem pole can certainly get saved. Now flip back in your Bible here in Acts chapter 2. Look here on your little handout. 
what the Holy Spirit did that continues today. So we, we need to understand. We're, understanding how the Holy Spirit works is important for us because when we pray, when we want God to work through us, we all want to be Spirit-filled Christians. We all want to be led by the Holy Spirit, and this is how. Number one, it says there are sites of Pentecost. So if you go back and you look here, in Acts chapter 2, some unusual things started happening. Of all the things God could pick, it says in verse 3, the sight is he saw tongues like flames of fire. Well, that's unusual. Why would God send tongues? And why would they be on fire? I believe God sent tongues. Is he showing to the, these Galilean disciples? He says, I'm going to enable you to speak in a language that you do not know and you're not educated, but I'm going to enable you. I'm going to give you the gift that you can do this. Have you ever felt you're not qualified or you just aren't able or you just can't? And you just fill in the blank for why you can't do something. God here is saying, I am the enabler. I will help you do this. And for us in our life, in personalizing this, how do, obviously we don't see God. We see the fruit of how God has worked through us. If you are praying for people, if you're intentional with sharing for the gospel, one day, I promise, you will see fruit from your prayers. You will see decisions being made of answered prayer and seeing how God is choosing to work through that. How exciting will it be that the folks you've prayed for and the folks you shared Jesus with, when you get to heaven... You will see them again in heaven. Because why? Your prayers were answered. And here the sight is all of a sudden they're seeing these flames of fire that are separating and they're seeing these tongues. The church did catch on fire right here. Not physically, but numerically. 3,000 people are saved. The church just explodes at this point. Jesus left, and there were 120, 120 people watching him. They're hanging out. The, they're a very small group, believers. By the time the book of Acts ends, Acts chapter 1, 120 people. By the time this book ends, there are thousands on already three continents, Asia, Europe, and Africa. Already have the gospel. And we see literally it's the explosion in the growth. The church is literally on fire. Number two, there's sounds of Pentecost. Look at these sounds right here. Verse two, suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven. And it filled the whole house where they were staying. So it made this, it made this noise of a, a rushing wind. And it went everywhere. You couldn't get away from it. And God was letting the folks know in this house, I'm doing something new right here. If you remember Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus, he described the wind. He says in, in Genesis, or in uh, John 3, eight, he says, you know, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You don't know where it's going or where it came from, but you can hear the sound and you can see the effects. That's, that's what it's like with the Spirit of God. We do not know where 
God is working. But what we need to do is we need to be listening to clues as we go through our day. When I was at Walmart pickup this afternoon, a clue was the young girl said, listen, the sound was, yeah, we don't have a lot of folks on Sunday morning because they're at church. That's a clue. You heard the sound. She's talking about church. If somebody's going to say that word, buddy, you've got to jump in that conversation and says, let me tell you about church. I love to talk about church and Jesus. We miss our opportunities. Do you, do you hear the sounds of Jesus? Jesus is a beautiful sound. And we need to be listening for opportunities to share the gospel. The sight is we're seeing God work. The sounds, we're listening for clues. And thirdly, we see here the speech of Pentecost. Look at verse 4. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. They were enabled to do some, they were able to say things and do things that these uneducated men typically could not do. They didn't they the only language they knew were Aramaic and Hebrew. That was their local languages. They would not have known how to speak Egyptian or how to speak the languages of Asia or Syria. But God enabled them to do that. Meaning, God is, God is beginning to do something in their life that they're going to be able to look back and say, it wasn't me at all. I can't take any of the credit. And the reason why they couldn't take credit because they couldn't have physically done it. We want to we have our lives. We want to have our inner circle's lives, our family's lives, so that when you look back and say, Lord, I could not have done this without you. We want to be a part of a church. That looks back. We want to see a revival. We want to see fruit from crossover Lexington and your evening walks right here that you never know the seeds that are being planted. God chose to work through you. Our greatest problem is for some of us, the reason why we don't hear the sight, sounds, and speech of Pentecost is because we're on our phone. It's because we're listening to other things. It's because we're not even talking about Jesus except on Sundays and Wednesdays. Look at these words, sight, sounds, and speech. Are these three things worked in your daily vocabulary? Do you look for opportunities? Do you listen for opportunities to tell Jesus? And then when you have the opportunity, do you speak up? That's what Jesus' spirit is leading these people to do. The greatest problem you and I have is the spirit of distraction. We're talking about any and everything except the Holy Spirit. Do you want to be a Spirit-filled believer? Do you want God's Spirit to work through you? Do you want your family to say, me and my house, we worship the Lord? We, 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 give, we are like Abraham. We, just, we believe God. We don't, know it. we don't know where we're going, but we just trust and believe in the Lord. Sight, sounds, and speech. Let's put this even in more current context. This is our Sunday night crowd. Cherry Osmond told me I need to say this. <clears throat> she brings the little kids up from um, uh, Children's Church at the 1109 service, and um, she slips in the back. Well, the 1109 service is dark, so I always can't see who's, who's here at <laughs> 1109 um, when the lights are off. But what happened was, this past Sunday, 
at the second service, we had a lot of visitors. I don't know if, if you were in that service. I don't know if you noticed them. There were some back in the far corner there. There were two sets over there. Listen, when you see someone you've never seen before, like ever, and they're sitting by themselves in the corner, and you think, I've never seen that person. I wonder if they're guests. I wonder if I should greet them. I wonder if I should speak to them. God has already answered that question for you. And that question is yes. Church is about connection. Someone who comes to church and they sit in a pew and they come and maybe they come, a husband and wife come, and that's what we had back in that corner there. Did, let me ask, did anybody else see these folks? I know I did. Sherry pointed them out. Good. Two people raised their hand. Good. I'm just making sure I wasn't blind. These are new faces here. When you see someone and you've never seen them before, God has brought them to this church. Our responsibility is to speak to them. The simplest thing where you go up and say, hey, my name's Daniel. It's so nice to meet you. We're so glad you're here. You could sit with them. You could sit behind them. People who come to church, if they're lone rangers, if they're sitting by themselves, I want to tell you, they're not going to come back. They're going to walk out and say, yeah, they weren't really that friendly. Most folks decide whether or not they stay or coming back to church, I mean, like seven minutes, ten minutes into the service because they just want to feel welcomed. And that's why, that's why literally when we're walking through church, the sight, sounds, and speech, we need to have an awareness of what God is doing. We've been praying for people to come hear the gospel. We've come in expectation be having greeters and making bulletins and slides on the screen and sermons. But if they are not spoken to and welcomed, guys, they're not, they're, they are not returning, are not coming back. After the 9 o'clock service, I want to tell you this, 9 o'clock service, I didn't catch their name. There were two boys here. They were with their grandmother. They came to this church. I think they sat right there. I spoke to them. They get to go to Tate's Creek High School. Do you know what should have happened? Someone should have came up and so you've never seen these folks where you go up and say, guys, can I bring you to Sunday school? Ma'am, come to my class. I'll show you where the boys go. That type of guest sensitivity, that type of speech goes so far. Y'all know I met Sherry at a church welcome center in 2002. That's where we met. It was, it was greeting folks. She was looking for a science class. I brought her mine. Like, this is, so what happened, the Holy Spirit here, in Acts 2, he's saying, you need, to, you need to be looking for opportunities, listening and speaking. One of our challenges, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I keep going back to this distraction. We do not see the Holy Spirit work through our life because we're distracted. We care more about who's getting traded in the NBA. We're more concerned about what social media updates there are. We're worried about if we're going to miss something important. And the most important thing we miss is the Lord working through us. And then we wonder, I just don't feel the presence of God. I just don't feel the Spirit here at this church. Well, listen, you will never feel the Spirit of God holding a phone. You will never feel the Spirit of God if you're just distracted all the time. The Spirit of God, these people in Acts chapter 2, they were meeting together, 
praying to the Lord, and boom, the Holy Spirit shows up. They didn't know when. They just trusted the Lord. And that's the, that, is what, that is what we need to get to the point. The people in verse 12, it says they were astounded. They thought, wow, how did, these people are puzzled. From the beginning of the gospel, going all the way to the, this is the beginning of the gospel, going all to the nations, people, and they were puzzled. The people today still do not understand. Folks do not understand church today. They have no idea. They're spiritually blinded. The book of Isaiah says this, Satan blinds people from hearing the truth. Our job is to make sure people hear the sights, sounds, and speech of Jesus. And you have to be intentional in doing that. And, you know, last thing I want to say here. You know, in Revelation 7, 9, it gives us a picture of this global multitude all coming together, worshiping the Lamb. What we saw here in Acts chapter 2, all these different nations will be meeting again in heaven. The gospel goes out to all nations. We live in a diverse city. There are all sorts of folks here in Lexington. And they speak all sorts of language, languages. Jesus loves them and died for them. Listen, Broadway, they came here for a university. They came here for a job. They came here for whatever reason, work at Toyota. Our responsibility is to tell them about Jesus. The mission field is right here. 3,000 folks are saved at Pentecost. Do you want to be a Holy Spirit-filled Christian? Do you want to see God work through you? I think the answer is, Jesus is looking and saying, just open your eyes. Be ready to speak. Listen, are you, do you share the gospel? Have you, when is the last time you told someone about Jesus? When our church provides opportunities to go and pray and go and knock on doors and pray for a revival and go to Crossover Lexington and just go out one Saturday morning and knock on the door and leave a bag of Bible, guys, if you can't go and knock on someone's door and leave them a Bible, if, we, if you're not able to do that, leave someone God's Word and just, hey, we just want to invite you to church, there's a gospel track in there, We'd love for you to take a look at if you have any questions. Sir, do you know the Lord? If we're not able to do that, what type of Christianity do we have? How, how active is our faith? It really gets to the soul of how, how committed of a follower are we? Are we more committed to other things than Christ? And I think this is what we see here. The sight, sounds, and speech of Pentecost. What happened? 3,000 folks are saved. Peter's going to stand up and preach a powerful sermon. And they're going to look at him and say he's drunk. Drunk people don't speak perfect Spanish. Drunk people don't even speak perfect English. More or less another language. And, and what happens for us is... We can miss our opportunities that God's Spirit is choosing to work through us. We're going to have our invitation. For our invitation tonight, I want you to really examine your heart. It says, God, am I using my mouth? Am I listening to clues throughout my day?
Am I looking around at church for folks? Last thing I want to say, I'm not going to say a person's name. I stand at that door right there. I wish we had deacons and staff members at all our doors at the end of the service. And I stood there, and I was talking to a guy. And I said, hey, sir, I'm not going to say his name because you all know who he is. He's been coming for a few months. I said, I want you to come on Wednesday night. We're going to finish up Esther uh, downstairs. I thought he had come before. He looked at me and goes, oh, you all have Bible study on Wednesday night? <laughs> I said, absolutely. I said, yeah, I'd like to do that and bring the children. He says, I'll definitely be there. They need something to do on Wednesday nights. I, people are looking for a personal invitation. If you invite them, if you plant the seed, if you can say, come to Wednesday night Bible study, you can sit at my table, they'll come. They'll come looking for you. You invite them, you plant the seed, you allow the Holy Spirit to work through you, God honors His Word. But if you don't speak up, if you're going to be shy, if you're going to be distracted all the time, you will not see the Spirit of God working through you. Don't miss this invitation and message to see how the Holy Spirit used these disciples here to begin a movement that we are products of that continues today. Let's stand together. David Dale's going to lead us in our song. I'll be standing out front. You can respond to the gospel tonight. You can join our church. You can come forward and pray. Whatever decision you make, now is your time to respond to the good news. I have decided to follow.